Now, the Sports Cards and Collectibles Radio Show with Darren Kimura. Brought to you by the Honolulu Chinese JCs, Papa John's Pizza, Comics, etc., and Fairway Independent Mortgage Corporation. Good evening and welcome to the Sports Cards and Collectibles Show. I am your host, Darren Kimura, broadcasting here live from the beautiful downtown studios of ESPN Honolulu. And yes, I, I still don't know what day it is because I'm still on yesterday's time. But, uh, you know, a, a pretty awesome uh, Subway series. And, uh, you know, you heard that in the Sports Center update here. And I'm pretty sure Aaron, uh, um, uh, you know, Judge hasn't had a ball land yet. I think his home run is about 451 miles in the air and uh, still hasn't landed yet. So as soon as it lands, we'll let you know how far it officially is. But uh, what an awesome Subway series they got going on there. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been kind of an interesting uh ride for the Yankees and I and I do kind of feel bad because I know one of our special guests Eric Reichard that is his uh his 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 home team shall we say and his pride and joy and uh, they they went for a little bit of a rough spot there but hey you know show up against uh the the team from the other side of town and then you know all of a sudden that subway series all of a sudden everyone lights up all of a sudden Yankees are Kind of turning it around again, um, but yeah. So uh, it's been it's been kind of an interesting week in sports, and there's a there's a lot to talk about. Definitely, a lot to talk about in the collector collectibles world, and not only with the uh, Burbank shows coming up and uh, more shows down at Pro Ridge Vimakai, and all, all. There's so many things going on, but we'll make sure to kind of catch you up on all of that, and a lot of new releases and everything too. And maybe with our first guest, we can kind of pick his brain a little bit with uh, some of the new releases coming out. Speaking of my first guest. Joining me now is Reed Kasoka from Dave and Adams. Reed, how's the evening treating you? Hey man, how's it going? Good, are you, uh, good to be back on the show. Yeah, are, are you? Uh, are you? I'm, I'm assuming you're not on Hawaii time right now. Are, are you uh, officially still on the road, or, or are you? Uh, yeah. You, okay. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm ending up a buying trip right now. I'm in Kalamazoo, Michigan, right now. Oh wow. Well, so for those that don't know. Um, you, Give us a little background. What what got you involved with sports cards and collectibles? Not necessarily as a business, but what what motivated you to get involved with sports cards and collectibles as a kid, a collect as a collector? So I'm born and raised in that era, and uh, you know when cards first became big in the mid '80s, you know me and all my friends collect cards, and we used to go down to uh, you know Parker's down in Pearl City, and in town we used to go to Dan's and Jellies and different places to buy cards and uh it somehow you know turned into like oh we can make money doing this and so you know collecting by the time i get to high school turned into buying and selling cards and uh for the last 34 years that's all i've done <laughs> other than go to school I, I, i've been a baseball card dealer my entire life well you know the funny part right that that's what they're saying now about the the economy of, of what the, that, that we're in, that people don't have hobbies anymore. They now call the, every single hobby as a side hustle. But back in the 80s and, and, and even the 90s, it was still truly a hobby for some and a business for others. There wasn't a whole lot of people trying to do both. There were people that were legitimately running a business and then people that were legitimately just collecting. It's, it's uh, very different now. Yeah, I think the money is more real than ever. I mean, you know, no matter no matter what you did on the side, or if you were a collector who just happened to buy and sell stuff from time to time, your opportunities were limited. Because mm-hmm. unless you bought a table and set up, or you went to a swap meet and set up a, a little little tent with your stuff, you didn't have the opportunities to sell the way you do these days. I mean, the internet has changed everything, where you know your stuff is essentially for sale twenty four hours a day. 
to, to so a global market too, right? I mean, that's exactly, yeah. exactly that. And that's the reason why it's everyone these days. I'd like to think you know can consider what they do as a hobby, also as a side hustle. Because if you have something in your collection and you don't really care for all that much, but you know it has value, man, what are you doing? Don't sit on it. Sell it. You know, turn it into something you want. Well, that's the thing. The the what COVID also taught us is that we can do that, right? I mean, there, there was that general fear about even doing online trades and all of that. But what happened was these communities seem to develop online where there's a trust within this group and within this community. And to your point, if it's not a sale, though, it's also potentially a trade. And that's where, again, getting to know the people internationally, nationally, internationally, and, and working out deals over you know, over, over a 16 hour time difference in some cases, that's all possible now where in the eighties and nineties, when we were growing up, I don't think anyone was trying to strike a trade deal with someone in the middle of even New York from Hawaii. No, that's, that's definitely true. I mean, if you're trying to work out deals, you were trying to do them, you know, before, or after work, or maybe on the weekends. But, uh, yeah, you weren't, you weren't striking deals in the middle of the night. Right. Uh, unless, unless you know, if everyone remembers the old uh, Worlds of Fun store in town, where oh, it opens right. like midnight or one a.m. I think on weekends, uh-huh. I mean, you could definitely be stri- you could definitely be striking deals that late at night. I mean, uh, that was one of the great hangouts for me, at least in high school, because you know, a car shop open at midnight. That's crazy. Right. Well, it worked for them. Well, and, and we didn't have the, for, for those that don't know, you know, growing up in Hawaii, you know, it takes a little longer for some of the big, big boxes to show up here. So the concept of a 24-hour Walmart, that just, that was a foreign concept to us growing up here. It, it just, we, we, we didn't have that kind of an opportunity. Um, and, 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 oh, I got to ask you this. I know this is a little bit dating ourselves here, but did your school ban baseball cards because of potential thefts and all of that kind of stuff? And or, or did, did your school actually allow it? So I went to Ponoho, and uh, trying to ban something like that would be very tough to do. I know the ban on playing cards like trumps or sure. poker, that was, that was definitely a big thing, uh, trying to keep that under control. But for cards, it wasn't really banned, but it was definitely frowned upon to have it there because why else would you have it there other than the trade? Um, one of the lucky things is, Pal Eldridge, you know, the legendary coach and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and base, baseball commentator, Pal Eldridge was my fourth grade teacher. And he, even though I had passed that age, he would encourage, you know, in the late 80s, the uh, kids from around the school to meet at his class, you know, before and after school to, like, you know, talk about training and, and, and collecting and everything. And so if Pal Eldridge can make it acceptable at school, it must be okay. And so that, that kind of helped it there, too. Um, but I also, you know, spent my time trying to buy and sell cards during school as much as, uh, it probably wasn't looked at very favorably. Uh, it was beneficial because that led to buying a lot of collections over the years. You know, funny story. So I actually knew what school you went to. I wasn't sure you were going to actually say it on air, but since you said it on air, <laughs> I'll tell everybody I went to the same school as, as Kanoa Leahy. So I'm an Iolani guy. So yes, this is an Iolani and Bonoho guy. Talking on the air live, not fighting it. That's actually really a possibility here. Um, but, you know, at Iolani, it was the same thing. It was, okay, well, don't, don't really take it out in class. Uh, you, you can maybe trade with your friends. But just like you had Pal Eldridge, we had Chuck Martin. And he's, he's actually a well-known uh, local ref here. has done, you know, refereeing for, for ages. Uh, and, in fact, I think he still does occasionally ref games. And I know he teaches uh, young people how to become refs and he's so he's still heavily involved in that area but I remember him starting a card collectibles 
club and he would bring in people to sell and trade and we would have our little club and that's when it was sort of fair game and so same thing because we had somebody it became kind of okay oh yeah i mean cards were everywhere i mean i don't think we realized how lucky we had it back then you know at one point my friends and i used to guess there were about 50 stores throughout the island at one at one stage or another and you know these days you know lucky we can count to 10 i yeah. mean 50 stores is unbelievable. It's just, it's so many possibilities. We tried to get to them all, even before we could drive. Yeah. You know, I, I remember certain stores, but but the funny thing about, yeah, you're right. 50 stores was definitely a real thing, but it seemed like every store had their thing, right? I mean, some stores had a whole bunch of hand-collated sets back through the 50s and 60s and 70s, and other stores had just the latest, greatest collection of wax. Other stores had incredible singles collections, and it just seemed like every store had their draw. There there wasn't sort of the, the I-carry-everything concept. No doubt. Depending on the owner and what their involvement was, you got that certain feel to it. I mean, uh, you know, Johnny Noah had that network of stores that yeah. around the island that kind of, they all kind of looked the same. They had that same feel to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what they were selling. But then you had old school guys like Parker Books yeah. or even the, I, I think it's 3Ms, the three old guys. 3Ms, right. Right. It's that, like out, out in Kaima Key. Wildlife, right? right, yeah, yeah, right. And it's like, it's like those guys just opened up a store, just happened to break out their cards from their childhood. And so you know, they had a different feel to it. You know, you'd go in there. And you'd be looking at stuff you'd only seen pictures of, right? You've only read about, and you got to see them live. And then there was even a Jim Mayfield on Hawaii Kai, who was a national dealer, um, who uh, you know specialized in pretty much the fifties and sixties, and even in the pre-war cards. So yes, every card shop definitely had its different feel to it, um, and that was the great thing about being able to get around and see them all, because you never knew what you were going to walk into and what you were going to see. You know, I still remember that 3M store, and I, I still remember. You know, of course, I was uh, at the time I was relatively new to collecting, and just to see on their wall, you know, seventy-five different sets. <laughs> pick, pick a set. Which one? Which year are you looking for? You know, I mean, right? Yeah, I'd like to pick up a seventy-two tops uh, full set. There, it was just, it was amazing what they had for sale. I'm sure paled in comparison to what they had in their personal collection. But those th- those guys were so willing to talk to, you know, a little. You know, I'll, I'll say it. I was I was a little twerp. I was a little teen, teeny little twerp that didn't know what he was doing, but wanted to know everything. And they they knew I wasn't walking in there with a thousand dollars. In fact, I, I think deep down they wondered if they were going to make a sale. But they were so willing to talk and and share. And that I, you know, I just I just I miss that. Those are the dealers that I like best. You know, the ones that didn't think that us as teenagers that we weren't worth their time. Yeah, we understood that. At even even by the late 80s, it was becoming an adult business. It was, it was becoming a grown man business. The ones that took the time to, to cater to us, I remember them fondly. And they are part of the reason why I thought, hey, maybe I can do this for a living once I finish school. You know, and that's the funny thing, right? I mean, so, so you basically, you get out of school, you're, you're still doing cards. Cards have become, you know, at this point, a very, very, very big part of your life. And... You know, all of a sudden, the, the concept of buying and, and selling for national companies be, becomes a very real possibility. Yeah, that's a, that's a, uh, it's almost, you know, luck kind of plays a lot how you go throughout your career, at least for me. And so, uh, you know, once I finished school, um, I opened a card shop with uh, Calvin, that, you know, yeah. uh, best, best, best of the best, best you know? right. 
Um, so everyone knows Calvin. He's been there forever. You know, the store's been open for almost 25 years. Well, for the first seven years, it was me and Calvin. And uh, it just so happens that I had made friends with David Adams over the years. And one one day in 2004, we were we used to do those autograph signings during the Pro Bowl week, right? And yep. we uh, we bit off more than we bit off more than we can chew. And we had uh, with the GTSM, we had 21 guys scheduled for one day on the Saturday <laughs> Saturday before Pro Bowl, and that was a day I pretty much had enough. I was I was tired of. Uh, it sounds bad to say this, but I'll say it anyhow. I was tired of for one month out of the year having all these people come out of the woodwork and think that I was their best friend to help them get autographs and do this and mm. do that. And so uh, I found out that the head buyer at David Adams had quit to go uh, work for uh, GAI in California, grading pack. Oh, wow. And so I'm like, I thought about it for about a week. and like, I could do that job. So I essentially begged for the job. I applied for the job. The job didn't even exist. And, uh, you know, three months later, I'm living in Buffalo. Right. <laughs> which, which well, for, for those that don't know, is a little different in weather than Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little different, but I managed. Right. Well, we're talking to uh, Reed Kosoka from uh, David Adams. Uh, Reed, we're up against a break here, um, but I'd love to have you after the break talk about uh, what David Adams has to offer. Are you uh, good to hang on? Yep, sounds good. All right. We'll, uh, when we come back, we'll have more from Reed and Dave and Adams and uh, find out more about some of the products they got going on. You're listening to the Sports Cards and Collectibles show here on ESPN Honolulu. You're listening to the Sports Cards and Collectibles radio show on ESPN Honolulu. Welcome back to the Sports Cards and Collectibles show. We're talking to Reed Kosoka from Dave and Adams. Reed, before I forget... Uh, Want to give everybody the uh, the website for Dave and Adams? Sure. Uh, we're, so we're Dave and Adams. Uh, it's D A for Dave and Adams. D A Cardworld dot com, and uh, we're, I think that's also our ID for uh, you know Twitter and Instagram as well. So in a nutshell, Dave and Adams right now, yes, they have a a, a national presence, but it's it's go to the website, check out buying and selling opportunities for not only. Uh, boxes and um, and you know cases and new products and all of that stuff coming out, but that's also one of the easiest ways to get a hold of you if there someone out there wants wants to you know sell a collection. For sure, I mean as as much as we do for selling, you know we're obviously we can't sell unless we buy, and so we have dedicated buyers throughout the different parts of the hobby. Um, that uh, that's their full time job is is whether they're just sitting there responding to the the mountain of emails or calls that comes in, or going out and buying collections or going to shows and um, we have you know I don't know ten twelve guys and different things. Uh, I'm the vintage buyer. Uh, I primarily stick to you know, autograph memorabilia, vintage singles and sets, vintage graded, and an unopened product. Um, and then we have uh, a guy who just buys comics. Uh, does all the major uh, Comic Cons. We have a gaming buyer who is specialized in Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon. And then we have uh, Hip Parade buyers. And the Hip Parade is a, a David Adams brand, which is our repack division. And so the Hip Parade buyers essentially buy from all over the country, you know, new inserts and new modern singles and and uh, repack them to uh, to sell as a, as a product that you can break. And uh, that's... That's the big venture for David Adams in the last several years. Well, I want to dive down that rabbit hole here because um, you, you mentioned, you know, being a vintage buyer, but 
Hit Parade has allowed Dave and Adams to do things like 86 Fleer graded set break, right? I mean, well, a graded set release where the entire set's in there. So you have 132 individual boxes. Someone's going to hit that Jordan. I mean, they're, they're, right. these are the kinds of things that Hit Parade has allowed Dave and Adams to venture into. Plus, plus, if I remember correctly, you guys have done everything from jerseys to helmets. I mean, it's... It, we've, yeah. we've, done, we've done stuff that I don't even hear about until somebody mentions it to me. Like, I just found out... <laughs> I just found out the other day. Actually, I was I was at our store in Cooperstown. We opened a store in Cooperstown this summer, and I was walking through the store and I saw that we do Hit Parade Game Used Bat Edition. Oh wow! Every I didn't every know about box that. Has a has a game used bat, which is you know that's pretty serious because you know if if a game used bat has any from any reasonably known player. You know, these days, it's a few hundred bucks just right. for that itself. And then when you, when you factor in the hit, whether it be like a Trout or a Jeet or something, now you're talking about several thousand dollars. I mean, it's not the cheapest product, but, you know, that, that's, a great, that's a great product. I don't know how often it can build that, but it's a great product to, to diversify the line that we have for Hit Parade. Well, and I think for, for the collectors, you know, it, it gives them an opportunity to you know, take take a chance at something huge, like you said. You know, one of those game used, say, trout bats or something. But even if you don't get a game used trout bat, you're going to get a game used bat. How many opportunities mm-hmm. does the average collector have to pick one of those up? It, it it can't be that often because the the major card producers, the major memorabilia guys, they're they're scooping that stuff up basically when the game is over. True, true, and the also the other thing too, whether it's game used or autographs or or just you know, cards in general, you know, you're, you're vouching for the authenticity of the item. Sure. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they're the, uh, the, the guys who build the product for us are very particular about what goes into a product to make sure like, well, look, let's make sure the autograph isn't smudged or make sure that there isn't a blemish on this mini helmet. I mean, it's, if you're going to unpack a box and get something, you want it to look nice. And so they're, they're pretty discerning. I've bought some memorabilia deals where I'm like, all right, you guys want first crack, here you go. And they're like, well, how come you don't want this? How come you want this? It's like, well, there's a little ding here and there's a little ding there. I'm like, I get it. You know, you guys are you're being thorough. And so I think that all goes into making sure that, that you're trying to create the best experience for the collectors that when they get something, it's going to look nice and, they're, and it's going to look presentable. We're talking to Reed Kosoka from Dave and Adams. And, and Reed, you know, I know that with Dave and Adams' Hit Parade products, and I know I'm spending a lot of time on it, just because I, I, I think it's such a cool concept. Um, it, you guys, with even graded comics and everything, there there are hits in there from obviously guys like Stan Lee and all, you know, autographed things like that. But, but the same thing, I, I noticed that you guys are pretty particular about the graded products that you put in there. There's only certain graded companies that you guys seem to buy and put in those products. But you as a buyer of entire collections, do you have to be discerning as well? We, we, we spend weeks on this show talking about grading and different grading companies. Do you have to be discerning as well when it comes to which graded companies you're going to buy uh, graded slabs of? I guess I don't have to be because when I buy entire collections, I take the good with the bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but but my, my personal preference, especially when you're talking about what I'm willing to pay for something, well, when it comes to cards, you know, I prefer PSA. It's the, it's the most well-known company. It's the best brand. Um, I will buy Beckett, and I will buy SGC cards. But anything else, I pretty much stay away from. Um, and that's just personal preference. I know that for whatever percentage of what I think it's going to sell for, 
I, I'm going to pay a higher percentage for PSA because I know it's going to sell faster. I know it's going to appeal to a wider audience. And so, you know, while other people may prefer smaller grading companies for the service, for the price, for the turnaround, I, I've, I've been doing this long enough to know where the bread and butter comes from. And so I, I stick with PSA. Again, that's just my personal preference. Not everyone agrees with it. Um, but if you're trying to get my attention, uh, that's what's going to get to my attention first is, is, a, is a collection full of PSA cards. Or, or of course, a collection full of sealed um, upper deck stuff that could potentially have on-card Jordan autos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> or or, or on-card Kobe autos or, you know, those kinds of things, right? Yeah, well, now it, then we're slowly venturing into the modern card market. You know, there, there, you know, you can't know everything in this hobby, and that, that sounds a cliche, but it's true. And so, basically, I think there's like a ten ten year mark where you can draw the line, and everything prior to ten years ago is half the industry, mm. and then everything in the last ten years is the other half of the industry. Right, right. Well, I know what I know what side I know. So, like, you if you press me on on questions about the latest Panini release or the latest Upper Deck release, I'll be honest, I couldn't tell you a thing. I couldn't tell you a thing at all because it's not my job to remember that stuff. And mm-hmm. it's, frankly, it, it moves it moves too fast. But if you want to press me on, on, the, on the the remaining 100-something years of the hobby and uh, what, what the particulars are, I can hold my own there. So that's kind of what I stick to. So, like, I appreciate Jordan on Carterados, but, like, if you show me something from like five years ago, I couldn't even tell you what product it comes out of other than its upper deck. You're right. Well, I, I got to ask you because this this obviously has been kind kind of headline news the last uh, couple of years, unfortunately, in this hobby. You know, there are companies that have certified sealed product. Um, you know, we, we grew up at a time where, you know, you really had to trust the guy you were buying from because the concept of re-waxing or re-sealing packs was unfortunately – even prevalent back then. And how how does your approach now to that kind of product change given some of the latest things that have occurred, you know, especially at the national recently? Uh, Number one, I don't trust anybody. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter how long I've known you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter where where you say you got it from. Hey, you could even bought it from me. I don't trust anybody because unfortunately that's the kind of people that uh, answer our hobby. They're, They're out to make a quick buck and they can disappear into the night very quickly. So I don't trust anybody. And then from there, I, I do my own research. I do my own investigation. You know, I, I regularly pass up product that I think has been resealed. And, uh, you know, if, if I'm forced to do it in person where I'm standing there with the person, I'll tell them why and I'll point out to them, I'll show it to them. And sometimes it's not met with the greatest reaction. Nobody likes to admit they got burned or, or find out they got burned, but it happens to all of us. But ultimately, I think someone needs to know not telling them and letting them continue to believe what they have is legit for, I don't know how many more years after that, you're not really doing them any favors. So, you know, you just got to be careful, buy from who you trust. You know, there's a, there's a reason why I think we get a lot of business. We can't always be the cheapest person out there. You know, there's someone that can always beat our price, but at least, you know, when people are dealing with us, it's a, we're a known quantity. You know, we definitely want to make sure that all of our product you know, holds up and has been inspected thoroughly. And, you know, the worst case uh, scenario of, of uh, being unsure about it, you can always call or email or, or talk to me, and I'll gladly give you some of my time to, let, to explain to you, you know, what to look for, where I bought this, you know, what, what, what kind of things you should be considering um, just so you feel better about the purchase that you're about to make. You know, that's the sad part about um, 
some people who sort of grew up the same time we did. Uh, you know, and again, I keep dating or, you know, myself when I say that, but I'm dating you too, by the way, when I say that. But, yeah. but you know, we grew up in a time where, you know, we were the kids going in with the, you know, with the 15 cent, 25 cent, 35 cent, 50 cent packs. And, you know, we didn't know. And in some cases, as kids, our parents would buy us a box for Christmas or whatever, and we'd stick it in our closet. And, you know, I, I got to be honest with you, there are some things my parents bought me that I'm thinking, I, I know I saved, but I'm thinking, hmm. I wonder if that's been resealed. Like you just don't. You just don't know, right? And you know, in, in private, we can talk about the different stores that existed back in the day, and everyone's got an opinion on which store we think wasn't on the up and up, right? And which stores and which stores were, and right. you know, all, all that is all. It's a moot point at this point because so many years have gone by. There's no way to prove anything. There's no way to know for sure. Oh, and they're all um, gone. But you know, that's... <laughs> yes, yes. But I can I can definitely tell you that uh, when I when I come home back to Hawaii a couple times a year and end up buying collections. Like I see stuff and I, I know exactly where it came from just by how it's tagged or, uh, you know, <laughs> the handwriting on the, on the, on the little slip. Right. And, uh, you know, and I do run across boxes that are like, Oh yeah, dude, this has been bad this whole time. You know, uh, and it's, and it's, it's very disappointing to have to explain it to somebody. Especially someone that's held it for 30 years thinking they've, they've done their job by holding it. Right. Exactly. Now I gotta ask you. We we are short on time here, but I but I'm not gonna let you go without asking this question. What is the most interesting collection that you either had purchased or you maybe couldn't purchase or whatever? What's the most interesting collection you've had a chance to look at that you had an opportunity to buy? Maybe even regret not buying. The most interesting collection. Uh, there's a there's a lot of them. Um, how much time we got? Ah, we can take. <laughs> you know what? Take as much time as we need. <laughs> Okay. The engineers over there saying whatever, no problem. Yeah. All right. So, uh, you know, in uh, 2015, we got a we got a call. I was working for baseball car chains at the time, and we got a call right around the national about a collection in Westchester County, which is you know north of uh, New York City. And um, the the family is three generations. The second and third generation were starting to inventory what they had because the dad was having dementia and Parkinson's, couldn't quite you know, grass was going on, uh, but they needed to sell the house and get uh -huh. everything out. So they were making a list of stuff that they're putting in a little storage uh, pod outside the house. And so, you know, they don't know what they're writing down. So they're just writing down case codes and stuff on the outside. And we get the list. I'm like, man, there's some good stuff here. We got to get out there. <laughs> so mm -hmm. we went out there in a few weeks and this house was just destroyed. I mean, it was, it was ready to be condemned essentially. Mm. I mean, it was falling apart. Um, I bought everything in the, in the little pod it barely made a dent in the collection because as it was getting dark, I'm like, let, let me, let me take a look inside the house. So we go through the basement and you couldn't walk in. You couldn't even take two steps in before you hit just a wall of stuff. Mm. Um, it, it took, uh, four hours to, to essentially create a walking path to wow. touch the, the back to the back wall of the, uh, of the basement. So the, the things that we didn't want, where this guy saved like the last 30 years of newspapers from New York city. Wow. That's, that's actually pretty neat. <laughs> he, he had a store in the early nineties and, you know, Beckett used to come hundred to a case. So he'd get that case a hundred. He'd sell like five and then keep the other 95 for some reason. Wow. And it, so it just, just piles and piles of worthless magazines, but he'd been buying from tops from the, from the late seventies and then you know, buying from Flair and everything later. Now there's a lot of, uh, mildew, and problems in the basement with mm. water. There, there was a waterlogged 79 tops baseball case that oh. was just totally destroyed in the corner. Oh, no. You know, 
you know, that's that's tens of thousands of dollars. Sure. But the the guy had everything in there and by luck he didn't have gum in it. So mm-hmm. he would have things like traded set cases, vending cases, factory set cases, and just case after case after case. I mean, I've never seen an eighty two times traded case up until that point. Wow. And this guy had four of them. Wow. You know? And so we just kept pulling out stuff out of this house. It took three twenty six foot trucks. Wow. To to get everything out of there. And and they were ready to they were ready to bulldoze the house with everything inside of it, uh, because, but you know luckily the grandson like nineteen at the time said hey you know what we should probably investigate this you know you know grandpa didn't didn't accumulate all this stuff over time just to like you know let it go by the wayside, and so they ended up making several hundred thousand dollars by you know being smart about it and calling around and asking questions. And then it comes down to, you know, who you trust. You know, we, we went out there. You have to earn their trust, not just, like, making the offer, but you have to explain why this is this way, why this is this way. And, it, you know, it took two trips. So it's not like, you know, it was just a hit and run. You knew that if they were going to call us the second time to come back and get the rest, that we obviously made a good impression on them, that we did, did everything the right way. Um, there are pictures of it <laughs> out there on cyberspace. It's, it's probably on the old uh, Facebook Car Exchange uh, Facebook page. It's it's crazy just to kind of see the kind of things that are out there, um, and that's just one of many deals that I've bought in the last eighteen years. Just traveling around the country, you know, every every deal isn't great, but some of these are so good, like pictures and stories can't do them justice. Well, well that that that's the one thing that you get to do with your job is you get to see what people have, and then that, and I'm I'm sure it's stunning sometimes to see how incredible these collections are. Yeah, definitely. I think I've been in more houses in the last 18 years than just about anybody else buying collections. Sometimes it's it'll fit in a duffel bag. Sometimes it requires a moving truck. You know, in, in the case of uh, you know Burbank sports cars, Rob Veras is a friend of mine. Many years ago, I bought his back room of unopened product because he needed room for his singles, uh, and that took uh, 41 pallets to get everything <laughs> you know, back. So. And, you know, that, that, that's not one or two cases we're talking about here. <laughs> no, no, 40, 41 pallets is a lot of stuff. And, you know, everything was on shelves, so it all had to be inventory and then packed by hand. Yeah. Uh, not not an easy thing to do. It took me three weeks. I, I lived in Southern California for three weeks out of a hotel room trying to get that deal done. Wow, that, that's so, impressive. Well, you know, yeah. I, I, thank you so much. I want to I thank you for coming on. I, I wish we had more time. I, I definitely want to bring you back on. Uh, what's the best way for people to, to, to get a hold of you if they do have a collection? So uh, my name is, you know, if you Google my name, <laughs> Dave and Adams, my contact information will show up pretty easily. But it's, you know, it's dacardworld.com. Uh, if you look for Reed, um, I, have, I have my own section on the website called Reed's Buys of the different things that I buy. It gets its own little page for it. Uh, my contact information is there. I still have an 808 cell phone number. So you'll, you'll know uh, that you're getting in touch with the right person because, you know, I, there's a reason why I haven't got rid of that number yet because it's very easily identifiable. Absolutely. Well, I, again, I do appreciate you coming on and uh, look forward to you coming back with uh, hopefully more stories about some more incredible uh, collections. Sounds good. Anytime, Darren. All right. I appreciate it. That's Reed Kosoka from David Adams, a long, 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 long time um, card guy, just really a great guy. And and, and like, I, like, like I said, you know, if you have a collection that you want to talk to him about, Check out Dave and Adam's website, shoot him an email, uh, give him a call, and you know he'd be happy to share information with you. When we come back, we'll have a buy low, sell high segment. We'll actually talk about autographs. 
You're listening to the Sports Cards and Collectibles show on ESPN Honolulu. You're listening to the Sports Cards and Collectibles radio show on ESPN Honolulu. Welcome back to the Sports Cards and Collectibles show. It's time for our buy low, sell high segment. You got me flying solo here. Um, one of the things I do get a lot of text messages and a, a lot of um, you know messages about, people want to know why is there such a big distinction between an on-card auto and a sticker auto? And I, and I get this question a lot. Isn't an auto an auto? Isn't a signature a signature? It doesn't matter. Well, no. <laughs> Here's the thing. It really does matter. And by the way, if you're listening, 808-296-1420, if you have uh, more questions about autographs or you have your opinions about autographs, feel free to give me a call during this segment. I'll uh, be happy to, or shoot us a text at 808-296-1420. Be happy to uh, to answer your questions or take your opinions. The, the, the market has gotten to the point now where people do differentiate, just like we talked about with grading, um, you know, say a Min Gem 9.5, True Gem 9.5, True Gem Plus 9.5 in, in the BGS world, you know, the, the market has gotten to the point where there's a definite differentiation between an on-card auto and a sticker auto. Why is that? Well, th- there's kind of this general perception that people like knowing the player actually touched that card and signed that card. They, they like knowing the fact that that card was produced in a timely manner. It was, uh, you know, shipped over to the player. The, the player was given a specific pen to use, and they were given the flexibility to sign within a certain general area. And occasionally, you get special autographs like Benny Montgomery and some of his interesting commentary on some of his autos, which, to Top's credit, they included in their Bowman product and didn't pull them out. They left them in there, which made a fun chase. Occasionally, you see some autos that have you know, say an inscription with a number, some don't. Sometimes there's differentiation from one to the next. Sometimes they're all exactly the same. But having the autos be on card creates that unique opportunity because that person is sitting there signing potentially a thousand cards with different parallels and everything all at once. And sometimes their personality sneaks in there. But it's also nice to know that they've touched the card. Now, why in the world do companies use sticker autos? In a word easy. It's just so much easier to send 50 sheets of certified auto stickers and a pen to the player. Have them sign them all. They don't have to really think about where they're signing, what they're signing. Just sign the sticker over and over, send all the sheets back, and they have a contractual agreement to be able to use those in their upcoming products. Now, does that create an advantage to the company on certain products? Absolutely. Perfect example. Up and through the couple of recent Star Wars releases that Topps had, you had three big-name autograph cards that were available from Carrie Fisher, Kenny Baker, Peter Mayhew. That, th- th- these people are gone. They're not signing cards anymore. But because the sticker sheets still existed and there was still a contract that was live, they were able to continue to produce them. So you still had an opportunity to get, say, a Carrie Fisher, Kenny Baker dual autograph card in a Star Wars release, even though both of them had passed away. Now, uh, we're, we're not going to get into the whole wh- whether the most recent Kenny Baker autographs were legitimate or not. That, 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 that probably is an entirely different show where we can talk about the differentiation between Kenny Baker autographs throughout the years. Uh, but in, in terms of the, the opportunities it does, it, it creates an opportunity for collectors to still have a chance at some people who passed away. Now, 
a little bit morbid, but right after Kobe passed away, there were a few products that were coming out from Panini that Kobe had signed on card. And with some of these cards, they were redemptions. There was some general fear that maybe the redemptions weren't going to get filled for obvious reasons, but they were. And some of these, like Immaculate, some of these products were the last cards Kobe signed. That creates a very interesting collectibles market there because to think that those really were potentially the the last cards that, you know, the great Kobe Bryant actually touched and signed for a release, I can understand there being a substantial premium there. In general, though, it is hard to differentiate between on-card and sticker autos across multiple product lines because, for example, National Treasures is a much more expensive product than, say, Contenders. Uh, when, when, you, when you try to compare those two products, and by the way, Contenders also makes it a point to have certain key rookies have on-card autographs for a reason. They know those are more significant players and they want to make sure their top draftees have on-card autos. But National Treasures is just so much more expensive. But because it's more expensive, they try to have every single major auto on-card. One of the other things about having on-card autographs is that it tends to make the, the autograph a little bit better because they have limited number of pens, they're, they're doing just these cards, and that's it. With stickers, you know, you have some people who sign off the sticker. Sometimes they bleed part of a signature onto another sticker, and those are the kinds of things that will actually lower your grade if you try to get a, uh, an autograph graded. If you have, you know, things, you know, streaking off of the sticker or... or, or you know, just a lot of streaks that just don't seem to be long because they're signing a thousand stickers back to back to back to back to back on a, on a sheet rather than individual cards where they actually are just signing an individual card. One of the biggest disadvantages of on-card signatures, most of the players are not collectors. So there are videos out there, and you can Google them. There are a handful of videos out there where these athletes are signing the cards, tossing them on the bed, signing the cards, tossing them to somebody on the side. They're just not being handled in the nicest possible way, which is why it's not a surprise some of the on-card autographs don't exactly have the nicest condition cards. Just one of those things. So there are serious advantages and disadvantages for both. Now, having said that, coming back to this particular segment as a buy low, sell high, what I always tell people is, you, you have to buy what you like, first and foremost. But if I can afford to buy the on-card auto versus, you know, maybe a similar priced product, but it's a sticker, I'll still buy the on-card auto because there is still that market perception that the on-card auto is worth more. And in fact, someone actually was out there doing an analysis of similar numbered cards from similar numbered products. As it turns out, on-card autos tended to sell for about 23% more. Even on a $200 card, you might actually see that on-card auto for a similar number, again, similar priced out-of-the-box product, sell for, instead of $200, $240, $250. It, there's definitely a value given to an on-card auto. And actually, if you look at listings, if they don't tell you it's an on-card auto and you can't tell from the pictures don't be afraid to ask because it does matter in the general public right now. The perception is it does matter whether it's an on-card auto 
or if it's on a sticker. And from a grading standpoint, of course, if you see a graded card, it's already slabbed, uh, it already has a graded 10, and you don't care, you just want to have the product, then fine. But if you have a choice between two very similar cards again, and they're both graded exactly the same, I still would lean towards the, uh, the on-card auto. And, and by the way, that includes patches that were signed and inserted into autos. If the patch itself is signed, I would still rather have that card than a sticker auto. And there are some products out there where they've actually put the sticker on the patch. It's one of some of the stupidest cards I've ever seen in my life. And I'm sorry if you as a designer are listening to this show, but that is by far some of the stupidest things I've ever seen. Why in the world would you put a sticker on a patch in a card? I Anyway... So that, that's basically it. Again, you know, if you have any more questions, feel free to shoot us a text at 808-296-1420 or message me directly, and I'll be happy to talk about your questions in the upcoming shows. One of the interesting things about um, these autos, of course, is that if they don't send the cards back in time, that's how we end up with redemptions. And as you know, redemptions are a nightmare. So... You know, yes, there there is. It's nice to have on-card autos, but the sheets do allow them to release a product with the autos in there rather than having to do redemption. So, again, there, there's there's definitely a, uh, a positive there as well. When we come back, I want to do a giveaway. It is baseball season after all, so I'll make sure this is a baseball question. If you want to be first in line, give us a ring, 808-296-1420, and uh, make sure I'll, I'll give you this question. I'll, I'll give you one of those questions that has three possible answers. So all you got to do is guess one of the three. Can't be that bad, right? You're listening to the Sports Cards and Collectibles show on ESPN Honolulu. You're listening to the Sports Cards and Collectibles radio show on ESPN Honolulu. Welcome back to the Sports Cards and Collectibles show. Uh, the, the question actually, courtesy of some uh, play today, shall we say, expands to four possible options. So I'll give you the question, and then um, I'll, I'll bring some guys on. The question is, four Major League players currently have 100 or more RBI. All you would have to do is name one of them. So if you think you know the answer, give us a ring, 296-1420. Uh, before we uh, bring some of our, looks like we have a 1,000 people lined up here on our four channels, which is awesome. Uh, quick, quick, quick point. Um, this is week zero, and Vanderbilt is playing at the University of Hawaii, but... All you collectors out there, let me give you a really good reason to not only be dressed in green since it's a green night, but get there early. Waikiki Malia is actually sponsoring football cards for the University of Hawaii. The first 3,000 fans will get a set of football cards. Now, here's the cool, here's the cool part, uh, a UH football card. Um, the, the, the cool part is there is going to be an actual chase if one lucky fan that receives the gold H card, brings it to the marketing trailer by gate two, gets a unique prize, again, courtesy of the Waikiki Malia. So again, first 3,000 fans get a free UH football card, and they're going to do this all year. So make sure you have your, uh, your tickets and make sure you get there early. Um, all right. First up, we have Mike on the line. Mike, four Major League players currently have 100 or more RBI. Can you name any one of them? Uh, I'm not really following stats right now, but I'm just going to get Aaron Judge. That's a, that's it. That's actually your leader. Congratulations. Stay on the line. You're going to get your Bowman 2021 uh, blaster and also a free pizza courtesy of Papa John's Pizza Hawaii. Stay on the line, Tanner. will grab your information. So, yeah, there are four players currently that have over 100 RBI. Jose Ramirez actually hit number 100 in the game that's going on right now. You also have, of course, Aaron Judge, who is currently leading. 
Pete Alonzo right behind him and Paul Goldschmidt as well. So you had four people. Congratulations. And, uh, and, and Mike, I uh, hope you enjoy this prize. Hope you uh, pull some really cool autos out of here, actually. But, yeah, just a, another quick reminder. Uh, get down to that UH football game at the Clarence T.C. Ching Field early. Uh, our friends over at the Waikiki Malia and, uh, you know, that's uh, those guys. Um, yeah, do, first of all, if you haven't stayed there, super easy, super convenient, great combine of rates. You know, you got, you know, a nice, cool, uh, you know, short little walk to the beach. It's, it's just, it's centrally located. You ever want to do a staycation, go check out the uh, Waikiki Malia and our, our friends down there. But, yeah, first 3,000 fans, free UH football card courtesy of them, and watch for that gold H. And if you get the gold H, you get to have a pretty cool prize. So that that pretty much wraps us up here. Uh, again, if you have any more questions or you have other products you want us to talk about, um, some things to keep in mind. We do have some new products coming out. Uh, we got um, Tops Clearly Authentic is scheduled to come out pretty soon. And by the way, I happen to like that product because you actually have the opportunity to get, you know, relatively inexpensive autos, uh, you know, so that, uh, you know, at, at a pretty low buy-in. So... Um, you know, the, the nice part about that, pretty inexpensive buy-in on card autos. We just talked about that. And, and you know, acetate cards are always kind of cool. Um, of course, Wander Franco is going to be there. My understanding is J-Rod will be there as well. So, uh, again, pretty unique opportunities with the Clearly Authentic coming out. And also, they did announce Select Football is going to be featured in retail products again this year. Uh, it, it started in 2020. This release will have 2021 rookies, even though it's coming out in 2022. And, uh, you know, again, just it's going to have a, a set of hobby and a set of retail as well. So there'll be more opportunities to get that product. Well, we are out of time. I want to thank my guest, Reed Kasoka from David Adams. Also want to thank uh, Tanner on the board. Uh, catch me next week on uh, AM 1420, 92.7 FM on ESPN Honolulu. As Darren Kimura saying, have an awesome week and happy collecting. <laughs>